welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Our, our foundational passage, this is going to be a foundational passage for the next six weeks. Uh, we're walking verse by verse through Mark, and um, this story that Jesus tells is actually super important to us as a church. Obviously, everything Jesus says is super important, but for us, this passage was, even before we started City Chapel, we, we, were, we were concentrating on this passage as a launch team. Um, and so you're going to see why here in the, here in the coming uh, weeks and, uh, and how it applies to us as a church, but also how it applies to you personally. So it should be up on the screen. Um, Mark 4, 26 through 29, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. And that's key. We believe that God, God's kingdom, grows naturally. It grows by itself. In other words, what God wants to do inside of me and inside of you, he wants to do naturally. He wants to do it so it feels as if it's just happening by itself. Um, and Jesus says, in fact, the farmer doesn't even know. Doesn't even know how it works. So you don't have to know how God's doing what he's doing for God to be doing it and for God to be doing it effectively. And he says, this seed, this kingdom, this faith that I'm sowing into people's hearts, that if they will receive it, and if they will cultivate, and if they will take care of the soil, then the seed does the growing. The seed is responsible for the growth, not me. God's responsible for my growth. He will grow me. And um, he says the farmer, actually, who gets credit for the growth, right? People say that farmers grow, but actually farmers don't. Farmers uh, prepare the soil and prepare things, but God actually does the growth. And this is what he says. He says the earth yields crops by itself. Then he gives a little bit of a, a, a progress report on it. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain within the head. But when the grain ripens, now the farmer goes to work. He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So there's, there's our part, the sowing and the reaping, and there's God's part, the growth. And so we want to, over the next six weeks, we want to talk about how God does that. And um, there are six principles found in nature, six uh, life, I, I don't know, I, I think we're going to call them organic life principles. In other words, these are things that are true of everything that is alive. There, the, there are six things that are true of everything that is alive, which, by the way, you are alive. So these six things are true about you. Uh, your faith also is a living thing, according to Jesus. It's this living seed. So it's true about the way that God wants to grow your faith. It's the, true about the way God wants to grow you. And it's true about your family. Your family's a living thing, right? Your, your marriage relationship, if you have a marriage relationship, is a living thing. Your children are living things, if you have children. Uh, your church is a living thing. City Chapel is a living thing. It's not a... It's not an organization. It's a living thing. It's a body. The, the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. That's a living thing. And so this church is a living thing. By the way, the community that we live in is a living thing. That's why we care about local 
uh, politics and policies because we're all swimming in this pool. You'll get that reference later. But anyway, if, if, if somebody's got a poopy diaper, it's going to affect everybody. You know what I'm saying? So we care about our community. We care about, uh, the, about our like, physical neighbors, neighbors around us, because we are a part of a living thing. So we all are impacting and affecting each other. That's how living things are. The six things are true about living things. And today I want to talk to you about the first one, which is going to sound really boring, but stick with me. It's called interdependence. Interdependence. And so I want to talk to you today about interdependence. And so I guess as sort of a, just a physical example uh, of interdependence. Interdependence, by the way, is the way in which... That's actually my first point, but um, I'm still on my introduction, but it's all good. That's the word interdependence, if in case you need to spell it on your notes or whatever. Like, it's, it's kind of long, so it's a $5 word. Um, but, uh, but interdependence is the way in which living things are dependent on each other. That's what interdependent, interdependence means. It's the way in which God created all living things, including you, including your faith, to be dependent on other living things. Does that make sense? So interdependence, this is true of everything in nature. There is nothing that is alive that is independent. Now there are machines that can be independent, uh, right? I mean, my, my, my car is kind of independent. It, it, it doesn't matter if I get sick, the car is still going to be there. And the car is not going to be sick. In fact, I could die, and then my kids would take the car. The car keeps going. The car is independent of me and all people around it. It is a machine, but you and I are not machines. We are living things. Our faith is not a machine or mechanical. Our faith is living. Therefore, our faith is interdependent, dependent on other people, dependent on other lives life cycles. So sort of to illustrate this, and we kind of wanted to, to do this anyway, but uh, we have somebody uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a part of our church that is interdependent with us, and we are interdependent with him. And he let, had to leave our church about three and a half years ago, and uh, he had to go to prison. And we prayed that that wouldn't happen, but sometimes God doesn't do what you pray. He does what he wants. And he's got a good reason for it. And so, but today is his first Sunday back with us. And so we wanted to, wanted to welcome in Romeo. And uh, yeah. And so, so with, I thought maybe my preaching could also be interdependent. It's not just me up here talking. So I thought I would ask Romeo to come up and just share with you a little testimony of his past three and a half years, maybe. I don't know. Welcome in, Romeo. And just share whatever you want to share, whatever's on your heart uh, for a few minutes, and then I'll come in with my points. I got, I got two of them, so I cut it down. Normally it's three, but I, I trimmed it trimmed it up. But I mean, I can make two points go really long, so it's all good. Don't worry. Don't, don't you worry about a thing. It's all good. Amen. Blessings, blessings, blessings. It's such a blessing to be in the house of God today. I'm just so thankful. Let's give it up for our pastor, Pastor Harry, for his willingness to answer the call on his life, for his obedience, for the blessings that he has brought into our lives, the teachings that God gives him for us. 
And uh, it's just funny, he was talking about interdependence, and you know, I was just so interdependent on the body. Uh, and so I want to thank every single one of you that know me uh, for your prayers. Uh, man, forgive me. Uh, anybody who knows me knows I'm a crier, so I don't have no shame. Uh, I, there was a time in my life, and I've shared this with some, that I couldn't cry. There was a time in my life when even if, uh, if I wanted to, I couldn't cry because I was just so cold inside. But uh, God came and saved me on May 12th of 2017, and he turned my stony heart into a heart for him. Um, I love God. I love God so much. Uh, he saved me from total destruction. I was on my way. Uh, actually, I, I, I arrived at the bottom of the pit, and uh, I looked up one day and cried out to God and asked him to come into my life. And that's my testimony. From there, it's history. I'm sold out for Christ. I love Christ. I honor him. I worship him. I, I uh, receive him into my life. I want to thank God for my wife. Uh, my beautiful wife who, uh, who held it down for me. You know, she, uh, she was with me every step of the way. And uh, I could lean on her. Uh, and so she would often, uh, you know, relate messages from you guys and, and uh, all your prayers and all your thoughts. And I'm just so thankful to be back in the house of God. It's such a blessing. And uh, I just can't wait to, uh, you know, to continue participating. City Chapel has been such a blessing in my life. I know it will be a blessing in your life. If you're new here, I want to encourage you to uh i want to encourage you to get involved i want to encourage you to come into this body you know uh, pastors talking about the body and and we're one body in christ with many members we all have different gifts and if we come together we can be great in our community we can be great in the world and we can be the light of the world like god has called us to be and you know i don't want to take a lot of your time this morning um i'm still getting uh uh situated i'm still getting you know it's 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 still a little weird for me, Pastor, but I, but I have total faith in what God can do in the future. And so I just, I'm just really just thankful, you know. And for any of you guys that, that are going through something, I want you to know that, that uh, God can pull you through anything, you know. And as you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And that's his promise. And when I gave my life to the Lord in 17, you know, uh, I, I told God that... Uh, I wanted to serve him. I wanted to be in relationship with him. And uh, I was going to hold on to his promises. And his promises have never failed me. God cannot lie. And God will hold to his promises. So whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you right now to draw near to God. And you can do anything through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, right? Amen. It was something that I didn't want to face, but it was something that I had to go through. And here I am four years later, right back in the body. God blessed me to be a... Uh, a light in, in, in a very, very, very dark place. And those of you who have experienced it know exactly what I'm talking about. Got to meet my brother over here. God bless you, man. He just came right up and introduced himself to me. And uh, he understands exactly what I'm talking about. And so God was with me. His favor was with me in the prison system. It's not something that I'm proud of or, or, or boasting about. But what I am boasting about is in the glory of God. I'm boasting in what he can do in your life, what he did in my life, what he continues to do in my life. You know, and, uh, you know, so God protected me. God blessed me. Um, I was always connected to the church, even in the prison system. 
And uh, I seen God work in mighty, mighty ways. I seen the, the spirit of God just come into that place and lives were transformed even in the prison, you know, but we still have a lot of work to do as a body. We still have, uh, you know, things that God has uh, for us. And so I just, I just want to encourage one another as I get to know you. Uh, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Introduce yourself to me. I'm not a, a, a shy guy. You know what I'm saying? So I really love uh, my brothers and sisters with the love of God. And uh, I just thank you for this opportunity to just come say hey. And uh, I'm just so happy to be back. And I can't say that enough. And thank Pastor Harry again, man. He, just, he came and visited me and brought me books and, and prayed with me. And I was able to call him. He made himself available to, available to me uh, through my time where I could just call him if I needed to and, you know, be able to talk with him, be able to pray with him. Um, and I just want to thank all of you. So with that, I just, I'll see you guys around for sure. God bless you. We love you, Romeo. I'm glad that you're, you're with us again. So interdependence, the way in which living things are dependent <clears throat> on each other. Um, these, these principles, these life principles that we're going to be talking about, they, they are active in your life. These are not things that you need to activate. These principles are active in your life and every, active in every living thing, <clears throat> every living cell on the planet. Now, you can reject them. You can deny them. You can try to run away from them. But they're still applicable in your life. They are activated. You don't need to activate them. So let's talk a little bit about interdependence. And this is how, specifically, I want to focus on how God grows us. God grows our faith through interdependence. And that's where my first point, I only have two of them. My first one is that God will grow us, that we grow through interdependence with each other's weaknesses. So there's, there's two points today. The first one is that we will grow through our interdependence with each other's weaknesses. Now this might seem counterintuitive to you initially because, because we're not very good at that culturally. We don't do well with weakness. We don't do well with failure. We don't do well with loss. We don't do well with lack of production. We don't do well with death. We're terrible, actually, as a culture, with dealing with physical death. We try to move past it as quickly as we possibly can. We see it as an incredible negative thing. We, we don't do well with death. We don't do well with disappointment. We don't do well with weakness. And so much of Scripture, and Paul especially writes about his weaknesses a lot, and he says, I will glory in my weakness, which is what uh, Romeo is talking about, glorying in his going to prison, not in the fact that he's proud of going to prison, just like Paul wasn't proud of the fact that he couldn't build a church. <laughs> right? The great, one of the greatest apostles of all time would plant little churches, and then the city would run him out of the city. So far, nobody's run me out of, of, of Austin. Uh, they, 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 I haven't preached anything that they're so infuriated yet that they're ready to kill me. But Paul, man, this happened multiple times where he's just trying to love on people. He's just trying to lead people. He's trying to help people grow. And this, this gospel that he's preaching, the way that he's doing it, he didn't win a lot of friends. 
right? And, 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 and so Paul actually talks about glorying in his weakness. And that's what his weaknesses are. He talks about the fact that he was uh, left for dead twice. They, they, they threw rocks at him until they thought that he was dead. He was shipwrecked. He was taken as a prisoner multiple places. He was beaten on his back with, with, uh, with a cat of nine tails multiple times. And so, so much of his suffering, he calls that weakness because it's not success. Because it's not like signing a book deal. It's not like Caleb wanted him, you know, to, to come on and share a, a positive, encouraging message with people. Like nobody was, was reaching out to him, desiring. He's trying to plant churches and he's planting these little house churches. And then the town runs him, runs him out of town. And so, and so Paul talks about his, his weaknesses. And he talks about the power of them. And he talks about the glory of them. And he talks about the goodness of them. The greatness of them, and we're pretty terrible at that. And so one way that, that we can look at interdependence with weakness and with death and with disappointment is from nature. So in, in all of these points, I'm going to be bringing up a lot of nature stories. So I actually have a slide uh, showing uh, uh, soil, and uh, particularly, I think it's called humus. Uh, it's, the, it's the top part of the soil. So, 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 so Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is as if a man should sow a seed, right? And he puts it in the ground, and then he goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and he's going about his life, and the, the seed is growing by itself. Okay, what makes seeds grow? Well, you have these various layers of soil. Most seeds don't make it beyond the subsoil, obviously. The root system doesn't get that low. But if you see the subsoil, then you see the surface. And then on top of the surface is what we would call topsoil, or what they call organic material. And uh, it's also the, the, the technical word is humus, H-U-M-U-S. So it's that organic material, it's that dirt, it's the, the black dirt that's on top of what we would call, what they call the surface. And it, the black dirt is what contains most of the nutrients. So the surface is really comprised of mashed up, broken up rock that has made its way from, from the, the earth's crust, kind of moving up. So typically things don't grow in, in rocks, right? So if you plant a seed in the ground, and if it was only the surface and the subsoil and the substratum and the bedrock and all of that, if it was just that, it wouldn't grow. What causes plants to grow is this topsoil, this organic material, this dirt that's on top. You say, well, what, what is that made up of? That dirt is almost entirely made up of dying or previously died and decaying organic material so what is organic i mean like leaves like like trees will drop leaves on the ground and then that leaf will shrivel up and die and then the death of that leaf will will uh, little little bugs will come and kind of eat it and then poop that out and uh, and all of nature starts 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 using the death of the leaf and then leaving dead leaf but there's still nutrients in the dead leaf and that, that, that those dead leaves, hundreds and thousands of them over several, several decades and hundreds of years, builds up this topsoil. So like, so like right now, like we had a storm, we had a storm a little while ago, and an ice storm, and all these branches just began snapping off of trees, right? And uh, if you notice, I guess our company still hasn't come, got rid of the branches from our area. But most places that are kind of uh, more well off, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know who our our people employ to do that. But usually, like they're kind of in there. They're getting the branches out of the yard. Why? Because it looks ugly, right? But 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 like what what happens in a forest where there's no humans to run around and make things look not ugly? 
Well, the branches just fall on the ground. And they lay on the ground. And they begin to decompose. And they begin to die and break down. And the death of those branches adds nutrients to the soil of the tree. And I think this past, like, this past ice storm is such a beautiful picture, such a, 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 a perfect picture of how we handle loss versus how God handles loss. We're like, let's clean that up. We don't want anybody to see that. Let's, let's quick get that. And so, so humans, we, we don't like messiness. We don't like brokenness. We don't like uh, stuff laying all over the yard. Like we want it to look clean, pristine, manicured. What are we doing? We're taking machine thinking into an organic world. And what happens is we often, often, often accidentally mess up the organic world. Right? Like, like there's too many bees. They're stinging people. So we need to go kill all of these bees. And then lo and behold, we figure out that actually we were dependent on the bees. The bees were taking like pollen from here to there and cross-pollinating our planet. And it's like, oh, oh no, we need bees. This is what humans do. We apply machine thinking. We say, this is an annoyance. We don't like that. Let's remove that so it looks better, smells better, feels better. But we forget about the interdependence of little things like bees with bigger things like flowers, with bigger things like crops, with bigger things like food for humanity. Like These are all interdependent with each other. And God uses, by the way, in our faith, God uses little things. God uses little things to grow us, little annoyances, little things that sting sometimes, little things that hurt sometimes. God uses brokenness. God uses disappointments and the, the, the life that comes from the brokenness. Like, like, I just see Romeo as being a part of the city chapel tree and we prayed that he'd stay on and we prayed that he'd stay connected, right? And then God was like, no, actually, it's going to be better for me to break him off of this tree and have him fall into the prison system. Now, he's still connected in spirit, but not in body, which is, makes a difference, right? It makes a difference for him. He doesn't have the constant encouragement of meeting with us and hugging us and connecting with us in small groups, care groups, we call them now, by the way. Uh, so uh, he doesn't have, the, he doesn't, he doesn't have the, the benefit of the tree, like constantly pumping sap and life into him. And we also, as a tree, don't have the benefit of him being a part. He can't lead. He was leading the, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the, the parking lot ministry, right? Well, when he left, we didn't have any parking lot ministry. We can't, he can't lead. He was leading small groups. But, but, so we, like the tree loses something too, which is why selfishly I was praying he'd stick around, you know, because it's like, Lord, like we really need him to stick around. And yet God saw fit sometimes to break things from the way we would like them to be. Sometimes he breaks things from the way we prayed for them to be. Sometimes he breaks things from the way that we thought would be the best way. Why? Because the soil needs nutrients. Because there are people in the prison system that need what he has to give. And so what happens is, Romeo snaps off of city chapel physically, not spiritually, but physically, falls into the prison system Physically, which, by the way, the prison system is something you'd much rather be in spiritually than physically. <laughs> so it's not easy. It's not good for Romeo. It's not helpful for branches to break off of trees, right? So sometimes, and it's not helpful for Paul to be beaten to death. This is not good for him. And yet, God will do things that are not good for us 
because he is working all things together for good to all of those who love him. Meaning, not just for you. So sometimes we go through disappointment, we go through death, and we're like, I just, I just, I just don't know what God's, what God's trying to teach me through this. Maybe he's not trying to teach you anything. I just don't know what God's going to do in me through this. Maybe he's not going to do anything in you through, like, maybe it's not about you. Entirely. Maybe it's entirely about those who are around you when you snap off and fall and the nutrients that are inside of you that need to be passed. How much, how many people did Romeo strengthen? How many times did Romeo create prayer circles at the end of the night around, around his bed with other guys and take hands? How many people did, did Romeo talk to that came to him and said, I, like, I don't know what you have. You have something different than what these guys have. I want some of what you have. We're talking atheists. We're talking Muslims. We're talking former Texan Christian, you know, who their, their Texan Christianity didn't help them out a whole lot. And I mean, but God will sometimes snap you off of where you want to be. Because he has nutrients that you can give to somebody else. Scripture gives us a clear example of this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says, and he actually says, says the same statement in 2 Timothy as well, his last letter that he wrote. But here in Philippians, he says, even if I am being poured out, right? That's poured out. That's a wasting. Even if my, my energy is being wasted, I'm being poured out, he says, like a drink offering, so this, this, this drink offering, this is an Old Testament reference. This is a reference to, to a Jewish practice where uh, on the day of the feast, they would take a cup of wine, and instead of drinking it, they would pour it out at the altar of the Lord as an act of worship, kind of like how we take our tithes and offerings and just give it to God. And it's not like, well, I need to know exactly what the church is doing with that. Uh, it's, 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 not, it's not an investment. It's, a, it's just a pouring out. And literally, you could just flush down the toilet if you want. Give it to God that way, right? It's like, it, because it's not about who receives it necessarily. It's about the fact that you give it. That's worship. Worship is, here is my offering of sacrifice. Here is my sacrifice, and I'm just going to give it to God. And back in the Old Testament, they just pour it out. Now, they would bring things to the, to, to, to the Levites and support the ministry, and that's all good, and the ministry should be held accountable for what they do with the funds. All that's great. But from an act of worship... Worship is merely just a releasing of something valuable, and you pour it out. And what Paul says is, I am the drink offering. I am being poured out. My life is valuable. My dreams, my goals, my ambitions, those are valuable, but all of those are, I see them just eking out of my life. I wanted to get married someday, but I just don't think that's going to happen now. I wanted to be successful in my tent-making business. I don't think that's, that's going to happen now. I wanted to plant multiple churches all around the world, but because of the gospel and the way people are reacting and I'm in prison, I don't think that's going to happen now. His values, his value, the value of Paul is being poured out seemingly as a waste. And Paul says, but it isn't a waste because it's being poured out on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. And so he says, because of that, I am glad. And this is the beauty of interdependence. When you realize that your loss might be someone else's gain, <laughs> then you can experience loss and still glorify God because God is still at work. 
because people are being blessed. People are growing. People are seeing my example. People even are seeing my suffering, and I am encouraging them through my suffering. You're not always going to encourage people through your victories and through your great preaching and through your wonderful ministry and through your brilliant planning. Oftentimes, God will use your, 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 your losses. And so this is where, this is where I want to encourage you to, to not think mechanically. I want to encourage you to not lean toward independence. Because independence is the enemy of interdependence. Independence says, if I'm going through loss right now, I need to cover up. If I'm going through loss right now, I need to withdraw until I feel like I'm in a better place. I can't go to church until I feel like I'm in a better place. I can't go to small group until I feel like I'm in a better place. I can't, I can't engage in ministry until I feel like I'm in a better place. Because God can't use my losses. God can't use my brokenness. God can't use my failure. God can't use my disappointments. God can use my strengths, yes, but God can't use that. And so interdependence, though, even in nature, we see that God makes beautiful things out of dead things. That God grows new life out of dead things. So that God will use whatever, wherever you're at right now. You are meant to be a part of an ecosystem. The death of your dream might be the beginning of someone else's. The disappointment of your life might be an answer of prayer to somebody else's. The loss of your loved one might be a connection with somebody else that you can encourage. And if we're always focused on independence and making sure that we're presenting the good face and we're making sure that people think well of us and making sure that our strengths are being seen and our weaknesses are being covered, then we miss the interdependence that God intended for us to have. And so what happens is when people become independent, they withdraw from the life cycle. They withdraw from the life cycle of the body of Christ and how he wants to grow people. And not only do they suffer, because now their loss is meaningless. Now their suffering has no purpose. Now they're just being poured out and all they can say is, woe is me. Man, would you pray for me that I get out of this situation? Would you pray for me that God changes this situation? Would you, like, it's so tough being me. It's so hard being me. If you really believe that you're all alone and you're just being poured out and you can't see a reason for it, it becomes difficult. And so it hurts the branch that is snapped off. It now has no purpose. It's now laying there and yeah, someone should probably take it away and get it out of here so we don't have to look at it. And it robs the purpose of the branch. It robs you of your purpose. If you, can't, if you can't allow yourself to be vulnerable, and if you can't allow yourself to be real, and if you can't imagine that God might be able to use you even when you are not where you want to be, it'll rob you of your purpose because it doesn't change where God wants you to be. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that God says, no, 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 they need you there. No, 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 I need you there. And so what happens is it robs us of purpose even while we're there, and we end up missing it. And we end up spending time in these, in these seasons of barrenness and brokenness, and we don't have any reason for it. We don't have any purpose to it, but God wants to give you purpose in those seasons of brokenness. So not only does God want to give you purpose, but God also wants to feed other people through your brokenness. And so what happens is if you stay self-focused and self-centered and independent, you pull away from interdependence, now those people who would have benefited, 
there is no benefit for them. Those people who would have been strengthened, those new dreams that would have been born, those new callings that would have manifested, the newness that God wanted to bring forth out of your loss doesn't happen. And this is the thing with interdependence. You are dependent on other people's losses, and other people are dependent on yours. And I just think how many times I've benefited from other people's losses. How many times other people didn't get what they prayed for and it put them in the right place to minister to me? How many times people were waiting for something to happen and it put them in the right place to connect with me? It's just, it's just amazing how God uses interdependence with our weaknesses. And so for those, for those of you that are the broken branch, I would encourage you to be open about your weakness. And for those of you that are that are looking to someone who just happens to be there, don't, don't, don't imagine that it's by mistake, that they just happen to fall in your yard. <laughs> they just happen to fall in your timeline. They just happen to fall in your church. They just happen to fall in your family. That's not a mistake. We need each other. We're interdependent. The second point is that we grow through interdependence with each other's strengths talked about the fact that we grow through interdependence with each other's weaknesses. Now I want to talk about the fact that we grow through independence with each other's strengths, interdependence. And this is, this is uh, I think, what we naturally think of. So that's why I wanted to give you the first one that we don't naturally think of. But even just the way this works in nature, I think, is so fascinating. Um, has anybody ever seen Finding Nemo? Remember Finding Nemo? It was actually, it was a cute movie, and a Disney, you know, cartoon, but, it, but it's actually pretty accurate, like, um, uh, in terms of uh, plant life and uh, aquatic life. And so I want to talk to you just a little bit about uh, Nemo and his dad and their home. So I, I, I don't know if you remember, I think it's the first day that, that Nemo goes to school and he has to spell anemone. And uh, that's because that's where they live. They live in an anemone. It's hard to say, but uh, the, uh, it's called a sea anemone. And so this is actually factually true that, that, that clownfish of which there's like 31 different species, I don't know. But clownfish um, live in anemones. And an anemone, that it's, it's these, these tentacles coming up. It looks actually like a plant, but it's not. It's, it's actually a living thing. I mean, plants are living things too, but this is like, it's, it's, it's in the, I think it's in the fish family somehow. I'm not smart enough to know all that. I know it's called a sea anemone, and I know that those, those tentacles that rise up from it are actually equipped with stingers, like electric, electric sting things on, on, on the sides of them and then on the ends of them. So what happens is regular unassuming fish will just see it as a plant, and they'll say, oh, maybe there's some food to nibble off of those, those tentacles. And so they'll, they'll go toward them, then the tentacles will zap it wrap around it and pull it to the center because at the very center, and I don't have a picture for that, but I don't know if you remember Nemo and his family, his dad, like they lived in the middle of the anemone. There's this big sort of hollow area. Well, at the center, that's where the, the animal's mouth is. And so that's where it'll, it'll, it'll eat the fish. So this, this anemone actually eats fish, kind of like Nemo. <laughs> and so it's fascinating, though, how God has placed interdependence in throughout his creation every living thing and and scientists call this type of interdependence they call it mutualism 
Because this mutualism is where different types of animals or plants, but different types of living things become interdependent on each other. Because we often think of interdependence as sort of uh, mono, like monogamous, like, like, in, like, like humans will be interdependent with humans, wolves will be interdependent with wolves, right? Fish will be interdependent with fish. We think of like, I have, like, like, and, and, and this kind of flows into our faith as well, right? Everyone's looking for their tribe. What they, what they mean by that is people who are the same skin color, people who've had a similar background, people who think like them, who vote like them, who agree with them on every political issue, right? That's what they mean by their tribe. People are of a similar age, right? And so people are looking for, I think, the wrong version of interdependence. We're often, look, we, we believe we will grow when we're around people who are like us in a big echo chamber. And that's just not true. It's not true in nature, and it's not true in Scripture. As Romeo talked about the body of Christ, different members being joined together. Not all one member, not all the same calling, not all the same uh, passion, not all the same focus. But, but, but the way that God, God works through mutualism, and even in nature God works through mutualism. He has sea anemones which eat fish. Actually, he has them house a particular kind of fish. Why? Because clownfish, like Nemo, they're quite uh, weak. They don't have any real defense system. Uh, they're not very fast. They're kind of scared of everything because they're not, they don't have any weapons, really. And so God created this safe space in an anemone that they can go into a place where other fish will die if they chase them in there, but then they won't die if they're in there. It's just crazy to me. It's just imagining I don't know. I, I think I, I think Nemo like he doesn't have a mom, right? He just has a dad. That's how that works. I think clownfish. She died. Okay, so it, like all Disney movies, moms die. But I think but I think clownfish can just can just be a dad because it's not necessarily it doesn't work the same way. Anyway, so I don't know. I don't know that they did. I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, we'll have to do, we'll have to do a little research. I think an animal planet figure this one out. But what happens is, yeah, seahorses are like that. Like various animals, they don't need two to tango. They just tango on their own. So they don't need that kind of interdependence. It's another kind of interdependence that they need. So anyway, I, I think... Scientifically speaking, it's just Nemo's dad, and he's got these eggs, and he, like, he's scared of everything, like, which, which, which they're supposed to be. These kinds of fish are supposed to be because they're not very well protected. So they, God placed inside of them a fear of the unknown, a fear of the sea, a fear of big fish, a fear of all this stuff, because literally all that stuff can eat them. So it's helpful for them to be pretty skittish. So he's cruising along, and he needs to find a place to plant his eggs, this is the most vulnerable moment, the most, the most precious thing, uh, and, and, and the most kind of uh, risky moment for the eggs. I mean, there's nothing, they, they, they can't swim away. So they need a safe place, maybe in the coral reef, maybe in a, an abandoned shell somewhere, like, I don't know. And he sees this other fish go into an anemone and get zapped, and, you know, and the, the, the tentacles wrap it up and it devours it in the middle. 
you know, and, and he's pretty skittish, so there's no way he's going in there. But God put something inside of clownfish. This draw to that very dangerous, seemingly very dangerous place. Like, it's crazy to me that God put something inside of a clownfish that he also put this desire to run at all moments, at all times. But then when it comes to sea anemones, he put something inside of them to actually trust, to believe that that thing, even though it killed George over there, the blowfish, he's not going to kill me. <laughs> like, he's taking out minnows left, right, and center. And, and he believes it's not going to... Like, that's amazing to me. It's amazing how God has placed in nature a beautiful picture of what he wants to do and what he does in us all the time. Because as a pastor of City Chapel, I can tell you so many uh, clowns. <laughs> so many clowns come swimming, swimming by City Chapel. And uh, man, they see the church they grew up in was just zapping them all the time. <laughs> they see they they've been hanging out in bars in austin on sixth street and those guys in sixth street they're all experts about church because they go to church anyway they know a lot of negative stuff about church and like all the people that they killed back 700 years ago wasn't even the church but whatever so they, they have all this like all like it's, it's like this big scary place and man i've seen these clowns come swimming sheepishly into this place looking around are they going to judge me looking around what do they think about my tattoos looking around what what do they what do they think about my hair looking am i the right color actually they're checking us out online first and it's like ah, oh, the pastor is white i don't know about that <laughs> right and his wife's white she's even whiter than him uh, from New Zealand <laughs> telling the truth uh, or you know it's just, uh, it's, 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 it's just interesting because we cause we're, 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 these, these, these clown fish like they're skittish and they've been burned sometimes but man I've seen some people just have a draw in a God placed draw inside of them that they should not nor actually cannot survive alone and there's this draw toward interdependence maybe i'll try this place out maybe i'll go to that small group maybe i know it's like you know i, I don't do well with crowds but maybe i'll try and as they just try there's like a draw that he's placed inside of each and every one of us to interdependence he's drawing us and it and it and it, and it calls for vulnerability it calls for trust it calls for something that maybe you haven't done before or seen done well in your family. It calls for, for, for the ability to be hurt. That's called vulnerability. The fact that, man, if I, if I kind of like, if I just get to know these people, if I just really, if I just kind of let myself out there, then they can judge me. And these people also aren't perfect, right? And enemies aren't perfect, obviously. Zapping various folks around here. Like, the minnows are all dying. So this isn't, like, like and, and it's just crazy to me because I've seen this interdependence, this pull. And I've seen people react to that. And they react really, and it blesses them. So what happens is they find a family, they find a shelter. So that's my, that's, that's my challenge to you. If you're willing to be vulnerable, 
I really believe you'll find a shelter. You'll find protection. You'll find people that will look out for you. You'll find people that will encourage you. Scripture actually says that. If you can go to the, the passage that we have uh, for, for this scripture um, after the Nemo. Uh, uh, the, the next slide. I can't remember the, the next one after that. Yeah, Romans. The other one from the Bible. Uh, chapter 1, verse 11. And this is Paul. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. This is the anemone, right? He wants to strengthen. He wants to support. And he's going to do that by imparting. He says, that is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. So what happens is, if you'll, if you'll, if you'll be vulnerable, and if you'll be open as a little clownfish, Man, I'm telling you, you can find some safety, some security, some strength from this body. And it doesn't have to be this body. There's other healthy bodies here in Austin. There's other healthy bodies wherever you happen to live. You can engage, but if you'll trust, you may not agree with every single thing they say. You may not like Super Bowl Sunday because <laughs> it's not spiritual enough for you. And that's, that's fine. Like you may not like everything, but 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 if you can if you can if you can with if you can respond to that that call that God placed inside of you for interdependence, and reject the need for independence that your culture is trying to shove down your face, right? Because independence comes from hurt, it comes from scars, it comes from bad experiences, right? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to myself. I can only trust myself. Well, man, that's coming. That's a response to pain. And by the way, we are living things, and we live in cycles. And so I was talking to Ro about that this week, because like in relationships, it's the same thing. That God created relationships. Your relationship is a living thing. If you, if, you, if you start sowing good things into a living thing, this cycle will happen, and good things will come out of that living thing. And those good things that come out will encourage you to sow more good things into it which will encourage you because you'll get more good things out of it. And then it'll encourage you to sow more good things. And, and, and if that's true, it's all, the opposite is also true. That because we live, we're living things, whatever we are doing right now is not only, it's not just something we're doing, but it's something that we are becoming. We are, and I've noticed this with eating. If I eat cleaner, then I desire cleaner food. But if I eat junk food, then I desire junk food. And so if I eat a lot of pizza and ice cream, for some reason, it doesn't satiate my need for pizza and ice cream. I want cookies now. I want brownies now. I want like, you know, and it never stops because I desire it, therefore I eat it. And then I eat it, therefore I desire it. And I desire it, therefore I eat it. And I eat it, therefore I desire it. And it feels like you can't get out of it. That's called a natural cycle because God created you as a natural being. So all by itself, you are getting healthier or unhealthier depending on what you do. All by itself. And it feels unavoidable. It feels like there's no space between the, the need, the, the desire, and the fulfillment. And those of you that, that have been trapped in addictions, you understand that. It's like there, you feel like you don't have a choice. That's called, because you're a living being, because you've conditioned yourself, and you've fed yourself, therefore you are hungry for what you have fed, and what you're hungry for is what you'll eat, and so then what you eat is what you've fed, and that's what you're hungry for, and so it's this, it's this ongoing cycle, it's so hard 
to stop natural cycles. And in fact, you can't. You have to start a new cycle. And this is why the 21 days of prayer and fasting is so helpful for some of us, because it's just a hard stop. It's like no sugar, no this, no that, no coffee. And it's like you, you, you just cut off that cycle and you start eating cleaner. And it's like, you know, I kind of enjoy having this amount of energy. I kind of enjoy feeling this way. I kind of, and so then I'm like, okay, now I need to change my habits. If I want to change my cycle, I have to change my habits. So what happens is these things feed into each other. And so for those of you clownfish that are just kind of checking things out, I know it's difficult, but it's not going to be difficult forever. It's not like a diet where you're just, just gritting your teeth. No, what happens is you, you open up, you start trusting, and you realize that trust is rewarded by shelter and strength. Paul says, I long to be with you so I can impart some strength to you. That sounds like a good thing. Sounds like they're encouraged by him. Sounds like they're blessed by him. Absolutely. So the, the, the reward of vulnerability is shelter. But it's not just about the clownfish. It's also about the anemone. Because by the way, the reason why anemones kill fish that go into them is because they're very vulnerable where there's no tentacles. That's where fish can eat them. <laughs> and, so, and so they also, like the church also has to open up our arms and allow people in. And this might sound a little gross, but it's nature, and this is the way it works. So the anemone opens up and allows these clownfish to hang out. And as they hang out, I guess the clownfish's poop has certain nutrients and, 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 and stuff that, that the, the sea anemone likes to eat. Now, so it's not so gross. If you've ever seen clownfish poop, it's not brown and gooey, okay? So it's not like that. It's like, it's almost like sand, kind of. Basically, it's the, the clownfish, because their digestive system is different than all of ours. So it's basically the clownfish is grabbing nutrients from the outside and bringing it in. Nutrients that the anemone can't get on its own, because anemones can't move, they can't walk. Wherever they are, that's where they're stuck. And so they're dependent on clownfish bringing things from the outside in. And as a pastor, I can tell you, it, as I've opened up my heart, as I've opened up my home, as I've opened up my emotions, as I've opened up my relationships, as I've opened up my belief and my hope and my prayer for people, and as I've opened up all of these things, and I've allowed so many clown fish <laughs> to come into my home, and, I've, and, and, and as I've encouraged others to open up their home and open up their hearts and open up their emotions and open up their relationships, they've opened things up. And man, people have come in and they've brought beautiful things from the outside that we could never have had. They've added health and vitality and encouragement to the church. This is why, this is why I can't be upset whenever people leave the church. Because it's like, man, what they brought in and what they deposited, and how they helped, and how they encouraged, and how they built up. Can't be upset about that. It was a mutualism. We strengthened them. They blessed us. We, we sheltered them. They encouraged us. They brought spiritual gifts that we didn't have. They used those spiritual gifts while they were here, and it was great. And then they moved to Wyoming, or wherever the heck they moved to, and they're bringing those spiritual gifts there. And that's awesome. And we encourage them, trust the local church, get into the local church. And we encourage local pastors, open your heart, open your doors. Open, don't, don't just open your doors and like, they can, they can sit here if they want. Like, no, like, like I've, I've seen churches that are like that. 
It's like, but if you don't believe like us and you got to figure out and you got to be the, and it's like, well, maybe you should just be open. Allow the clowns to come on in. They're bringing some good stuff. They're bringing some good stuff that they don't, that they don't even know they're bringing. Like, I don't even know if, they, if clownfish and sea anemones talk the same language. I don't even know if they know that. Like, do they, how, I don't, what happens? God puts something inside of the clownfish that says, I need to trust. And God puts something inside the anemone saying, I need to open up. And I need to trust. And this mutualism, both are strengthened because of it. So at City Chapel, man, we want you to be vulnerable. We want you to trust. And we also commit to trust and be vulnerable and open up and provide a safe place for you to grow. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, thank you for your word and for nature. Thank you for Romeo uh, being here with us and for you bringing him through. Thank you for the safe place that a, a healthy church can be. Well, thank you for the encouragement that clownfish can bring, that people can bring, the various spiritual gifts and all of the, the stuff that they bring to this body. Thank you for the ways in which you've blessed the, gift, the giver and the receiver, for the way in which we are interdependent with each other. We need... Yeah, that, that might be a word that you might need to get used to saying. <laughs> Your culture doesn't like that word. Your culture has taught you that's a bad word and you're weak if you need. But look around. Living things need. And your faith is a living thing. You and Jesus, it's not enough. The seed in the hand of the farmer is not enough. He plants the seed into a soil. And it is the interdependence with that soil that causes us to grow. So, Father, we need others. We need people that you've placed in our lives. We can't get around it. We need them. And others need us. <laughs> maybe, you're, maybe you're okay with need. You don't want to be needed. Okay, well, I want to get over that. You are necessary to the, the cycle, that, the healthy cycle that God is creating in someone else's growth. So, Father, we confess our need for others, and we confess their need for us. And none of us are perfect, neither us or others. We don't have to be perfect. You grow us through interdependence with each other. So bring us closer together. Teach us how to be interdependent, how to use interdependence in a healthy way, because we are interdependent. Help teach us how to use it in a healthy way. Teach us to not run away from healthy interdependence. Because the truth is, there's, man, I've, I've seen people, they, they fight against natural principles. And they run away from interdependence with others. But there is one person they're interdependent with. There's always at least one person they're interdependent with. And the level of health of that person really affects their health. And God intended them to be in a bigger ocean. God intended them to be in a bigger sea. So that that one person that they're dependent on, that you don't go down with their ship. But rather, they are supposed to be lifted up by you. So Father, may we 
use interdependence in a healthy way, not in a codependent way, but in a healthy way. May we start healthy cycles of interdependence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sure. I didn't know if we were going to do this, but um, so, because uh, Gabe came in a little late, so. Oh, all right, yeah. So I, I, I didn't know if you, but yeah, he's leaving for boot camp tomorrow. Um, joined the Marine Corps. And so I guess for what, the last seven months, him and I have been training together at the gym and um, hadn't seen him for a couple of years. And so we actually hooked back up at the gym. And But yeah, um, I guess I, I just wanted to see if we could pray over him before he goes. And yeah, cool. I, did, I didn't know if you knew about that. That's awesome, yeah. So, all right, cool. Um, yeah, if you would, yeah, if you'd stand up. We can pray over you. He's actually he's got to be at the hotel today at five o'clock. So he's, and then he's leaving, and then the storm will start tomorrow night. So yeah, <laughs> so good luck with that. Um, and yeah, no, I mean I think I think you'll do great. And we just pray that God goes before you. Cause I know when I went, there was a couple of guys that. Um, it's ironic to find some guys that have softer hearts, you know, when you're there. There are a couple guys that I, I got to pray with and encourage and talk to, and I think God had kind of prepared them for that time. And so, I, you know, I pray that God does that for you. He goes before you and, like, prepares people for you and, you know, whatever he has for you there. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, God, we thank you for Gabe. We thank you um, that he's... Well, we've known him since, I don't know, I guess I've known him since he was 12, 13 years old. Um, I thank you for the call you've put on his life, for what you're doing in his life. Um, thank you that uh, you're leading him, that he's doing his best to follow you, the best that he knows how. I pray that uh, you would continue to guide him. I pray you go before him, uh, prepare the way for him, and that whatever he encounters, the difficulties he encounters in San Diego and over the course of the next four years, um, I pray that you would that you would go before him, that you would assure him, God, that you're with him, that he'd trust you, that he'd lean on you, that he'd lean on, um, know he can lean on us as a church body. He can lean on other Christians that he meets. Um, and I just pray that you would guide him and direct him and uh, watch over him, keep him safe, protect him. Um, if he's meant to go somewhere, I pray that you would send him. If he's not, I pray that you'd uh, stop it. And I, I know you did that for me. And I thank you for all you're doing in him um, and just how got to see him grow up and become who he is. And I pray that you would bless him. We bless him in the name of Jesus as he goes out. And we thank you um, for him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining with us today. You're dismissed. Have a lovely day. And enjoy watching the Super Bowl. See you later.